Hey everybody, it's the mailbag episode and announcements. So if you don't like the mailbag part and you just want to hear the announcement part, just go from 12 minutes from the end. I would give you an exact timestamp, but I'm not sure how long this intro part's going to be. So I guess you could go subtract 30 seconds from this and then subtract 12 from that and then you know what just just go near the end near the end is where all the announcements are for the for the next season and stuff if you want to skip the mail back okay you know what i was trying to be nice oh bye it's the mailbag episode the one at the end of the season it's where we answer your questions and do the behind the scenes stuff Mailbag questions from Discord and email and sometimes Twitter. Matt is here to help me and Leslie will read the questions. Hey everybody, welcome to the mailbag episode. Mailbag, mailbag. Is, is mailbag. this the final mailbag? No, not the final. Spoiler alert number one, not the final mailbag episode, I am sure. But that was Final Fantasy, right? My brain's not... That, that is correct. That is the Final Fantasy, <laughs> okay. I believe, the ending theme. The menu um, theme. No, that's not the menu theme. The menu theme is... I swear it's the menu for 12, though. <laughs> <laughs> Watch as I'm listening across the, the world as people turn this episode off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So welcome, everybody. It's the end of season three. So it's time for the mailbag episode. Um, I'm here. Matt's here. Leslie is here. Yo. Um, and we're here to um, kind of do some stuff. So we've got... Um, three things we're going to do today. Part one, I'm going to talk about um, how I built season three, just to do some generic behind the scenes stuff. Part two, Leslie will pick some questions for us based off of the stuff sent in from everywhere. Then part three, we're going to talk about what's coming up next on the show. So let's do this. Part one, building season three. Um, so I uh, famously don't have a plan most of the time until I come up with a plan. So I started thinking about season three, probably partway through season two. And there were a couple of things I knew I wanted to happen um, the entire time. Uh, one, I always knew there was going to be a time jump um, to have old man Kachok. Right. Um, two, I always knew that his grandson would be involved. Um, you and I actually talked about this a while ago, like before it started. Oh, I think we did, right? I don't know if it's on air anywhere. No, no, no. I don't think it is. Okay, yeah. I did see. I think I did tell Matt all this stuff. But yeah, I, mean, I always knew Old Man Kachok, and I always knew he'd have a planet, and I always knew his grandson would be involved. Um, uh, because the, the general theme that had sort of developed after Season 2, Rebellion. Say it. Rebellion. <laughs> Rebellion! Wow. There it is. Um, the... I knew the third third season was probably going to have to fo focus on the force, right? To hit the force and destiny things. Although, as you can see, we didn't really use any of those rules. But anyway, um, and so the original version was that Click had a planet um, and he had his grandson living with him. And 
<clears throat> his grandson was sort of a, a failure character. He was everything. I guess he probably the closest comparison I could make was that he was more like Roy, um, just very meek and mild and not at all like a chalk. And he was going to be an NPC. He, he was not going to be a character played by Matt. Matt was still going to be playing Click in sort of his final adventure. Um, and in this adventure, um, the racetrack thing was still going to be a, a, an issue. And some big investor was going to come and offer to do all the stuff to the to the planet. All they had to do was sign on the dotted line. Click would be and his family would be set up for life. Uh, the planet would be famous. And of course, the one thing that matters to him most of all time, his legacy as of being a great, the greatest racer, the greatest pilot would be secured. Um, and then, of course, in tribute to every plot of from the 90s, um, he would go into like the forest or the, uh, you know, area that was needed to be destroyed to expand the racetrack and, of course, find some sort of living force creatures, um, some silhouette zero force aliens that lived there that he did not know about. I guess uh, force elves is probably the best comparison I can make. Um, and then... Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, and then it was going to be like, you know, Click would try to undo the deal, and of course, like a 90s villain, no, you already signed the contract. The deal's moving forward. And then um, Click would have to mount his last battle, his great defense at the end, um, with a planet that didn't really have any weaponry. Um, and then, you know, him trying to, to fight off the bad guys. Now, this is a perfectly functional plot, but it does not, it never excited me. Um, and yet, no matter how many times I, like, ran through different iterations in my head, I just couldn't figure out how to fix it. It sounds like a, uh, it almost sounds like a Christmas story of some variety. <laughs> like, <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's also the same plot as like, you know, blue people avatar. <laughs> is you know, is that how we delineate them? That's how I do it. Dances <laughs> with wolves. Gets the point across. Yeah, I, I mean, or Fern Gully. I mean, Fern Gully, Fern Gully is where I went. Let's be yeah, honest. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it was it's a functional, workable plot. It would have been fine, I think, but I just. It was not exciting me. Um, and um, as usual, I was driving home thinking about um, the show. And I think this was before I had switched jobs even. I think it was like two jobs ago. So this was still during my long commute days. And um, I was listening. This was like right as I was super getting into JoJo. Listening to the music and just letting my mind wander. And then I realized the, the comparisons that I brought up at the end of the last episode. Like, hey... Isn't it kind of funny that like Joseph Joestar is the grandfather of the protagonist, Jotaro, and um, he's kind of old now, so he can't be the main dude. And so it's kind of a baton passing thing. And yet the, the things that happened in Joseph's past came back to Jotaro. And and then I literally laughed out loud. I went, <laughs> that's stupid. Um, and then we did it. Well, so for those of you who are heroes of the Heidi Way fans, that's the same thing that happened with me and Matu when I said, what if I made a Mandalorian a Jedi? Um, and I literally laughed around and went, ha, that's stupid. Unless... Matt, come here! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's that's kind of how it happened. I went, well, 
what if I, and it became a challenge. I said, could I combine that story with the thing I had in place and somehow make it work in the system? And the, the challenge was so intriguing. I had to try it. So that's how the whole Kachak Crusaders thing came about, which um, since Matt does not know, part three of JoJo is called Stardust Crusaders. I did know that. Thank you very much. Oh, OK, well, there you go. He has the um, Internet. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew about it before you did. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so that, that's how the, the structure came about. I said, OK, well, we'll make we'll make the grandson a delinquent character and we'll make him playable and we'll give him the lead role and all, and all the best powers. Uh, or I will try to make him have the best powers because Matt is going to pick the powers and everything else about him. And so, you know, that's sort of a big question mark. But that's the direction we're going to go. Um, and it ended up being a really useful mechanism for plot design because um, every time I got stuck, I just could kind of lean back on, well, what did, what happened in that part of Jojo? Could I can I steal it? So um, the the whole plot point of the mother being in danger, um, I, I stole that. The general structure of you know fusers fighting other fusers over and over, and some of them becoming you know his allies. That that was something I stole. And then the end point um which i as soon as i had this kind of rolling i knew damaril had to have some sort of dangerous power i just couldn't figure out what um and then it was realizing if i did the same thing that they did in jojo where as the final two stands have the same end up having the same power then i went okay can i can i steal that and i went to matt's power which he chose um and kind of went all right from what direction can i go with that and realizing okay well if he's already controlling their actions maybe i can have them control their power outright and that solved that part of the formula for me to be so, fair my original power request was to see through their eyes <laughs> yeah that is true um which is i think a force power from dark forces 2 yeah, yeah one of those mysteries of the sith i think was it the? I think it was the Mara Jade one, right? I don't think it was the original one. No, it wasn't the original one, but there definitely was one somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's how that all came about. I am. Um, I didn't want to leave the impression that I think I left on the last episode, which is I just I just decided to outright steal JoJo and just went with that. I did have some of those components in mind already, and then when I realized they could fit together, my peanut butter got in my chocolate, as it were. Um, it also helped me define. A couple of other Easter eggs that never showed up. Um, Joza's middle name is Johani, so she's literally a JoJo. Ooh, ooh, ooh! That stinks. Um, I like it. <laughs> Don't encourage him. Who am I supposed to encourage? I'm not allowed to encourage either of you. You can encourage me, regardless of what he says. <laughs> well, you can encourage me, regardless of what he says. Let's see. Hey, say something uh, nice about me. You're a very nice gentleman, and I've enjoyed our time talk talking together. Oh, shucks. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thrive off of positive feedback, <laughs> which I never get in this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a scary lie. <laughs> so, yes, um, we'll talk about the, the power design here in a second. Um, but I did want to mention that Maharo um, was originally going to be Maharo Jr., but then around the same time as I was finalizing this stuff, um, Leslie had me on watching Lupin the Third and uh, that I was like, OK, well, now I have to name him Maharo the Third because that's just that's just too good. Maharo the Third. 
<laughs> um, so yes, <clears throat> obviously the, the concept of using fuser powers is similar to that of stand abilities from Jojo. Um, and the concept was this, what I always find interesting about Jojo powers versus your standard shonen manga powers is that they come fully developed most of the time. Like you get it, you know how it works and it doesn't, it's not something you can really get stronger at. Um, whereas, you know, in most shonen manga or stories, you can get a stronger Kamehameha. You can learn to become Super Saiyan. Uh, did I say Saiyan? Yes, you did. Uh, I think that's a type of <laughs> Super spice. Um, you know, it's, you can learn how to add your wind chakra to your Rasengan. Like there's always sort of a training element. Um, but it doesn't have that really in Jojo. A few stands get stronger incrementally, but in general, they, they are what they are. I can only force so, choke if a wet towel at exactly 65 degrees is tied around my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the later parts do have a, a really ridiculous level of specificity. But um, what I knew was that the, um, the Fonsters, which Matt literally named on the spot, yeah. As well as as well as the fuser thing, so those were not those were not me. Um, Everything I do is on the spot. <laughs> the fonster, <laughs> the fonster design was similar to that of how um, people acquire stands in JoJo, which is like being stabbed with a special arrow. Um, right. And so, um, when I was going around designing fuser powers, I tried, and I was mostly successful in basing them all off of real force abilities. I think the notable exception is Slaw Zunlo, the guy who can transform into Omnipresent Mist. Because um, I don't think that's a force power, no matter what I think about it. it maybe there's like a, a Dathomir spell or something that's similar that I don't know about. Cause I don't know much about the new Dathomir witches, but um, you know, generally speaking, that one is is the the major uh, exception to the rule. Everything else I tried to keep. Um, within normal force, or at least a version of something that was the force. So Matt did force vision, which was, as we said, a power from some game somewhere. Um, and just going down my list, Jezev, you know, making living beings lose consciousness. It's, um, you know, uh, I, I considered it a branch of force, you know, mind control, force suggestion, basically like go to sleep. Uh, Neon Gryffindor's ability to do you know, force machinery is, is very much based off of like the four sentinels from Knights of the Old Republic. And then of course, like um, Revan had an uncanny ability of using the force with machines. Additionally, Ray does in the sequel trilogy. So it was just a, an, a hyper extension of that. Um, bringing back the dead corpses. I'm pretty sure they did that if they, um, what was that? Uh, that's a Dathomir thing. We've seen that. Um, Bisa Kono's uh, Mandalorian Midnight Blades, which was based off of uh, the Stan Silver Chariot, basically. And uh, it's just force push, but like sharpened. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Illusion Worlds. I mean, that one's obvious. That's another like super advanced force mind trick. Uh, the ice, I don't, the ice is, this is gonna be sort of a stretch. So the ice and the blasters with diamond and ruby, um, this is based off of force energy transference, which was um, something, a concept introduced by Michael Stackpole in the novel I Jedi. 
where um, his dude, Corrin Horn, um, had a weak ability to control the Force, but he had a special ability that he had based off of the scene in Empire Strikes Back where Han shoots Vader um, in the hand and Vader just like catches the blasters with his palm. And he said, well, yeah, there's an ability in the Force where you can take actual energy and convert it into Force energy. And that character, Corrin Horn, could do that backwards and forwards. So he could absorb pretty much any sort of energy to use and had to absorb energy to charge up his force meter, basically, and then use it on different force abilities. So it's kind of a stretch. I mean, I don't think there's ever been ice, but the Sunlight Blasters is sort of like force uh, destruction in, um, again, like the Knights of the Old... No, not, not, not KOTOR. Um, what is that? Uh, Jedi Knight, uh, Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight has that like ball blast of energy. Hyperspace tunnels. Um, that was, it was uh, a very for force destruction. Yes, that's it. Force destruction. Uh, Jum Akbo's hyperspace tunnel thing is a very rare force ability um, from the Sith, where they could create a, a giant a tunnel into hyperspace. Not not nearly as controlled as the one he was using, but it was a real thing. Um, the plant one, I forget. I looked it up though. The plant thing was was really was a a similar one then obviously joza is similar to what i just talked about the the energy absorption thing but also hers is modeled after star platinum which of course just punches really hard and so she was going to punch really hard except she could absorb all the energy in order to do that and then maharo the third was based off of um the part five stand moody blues uh, moody blues has the ability to kind of go back in time and recreate events that have happened and so obviously that's what he's basically doing by being able to summon force ghosts. Um, it was a very useful stand that had no combat ability and I wanted a useful fuser ability that had no real practical combat power, but was still interesting and in, in being able to gather information. And then the original dude on the, you know, the first one that um, Kaz kills is obviously force paralysis, which is a um, power in uh, Knights of the Old Republic. And I think that's all of them. I have a question for you. Yeah. If you had to create a fuser power for Crud Vaporator, <laughs> what would you give him? <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Don't think that was the name I was expecting to come out of your mouth. <laughs> well, there is one fuser power that um, was not used. And I think, I think Adam actually asked that question. So, uh, Multiple people did act. Yeah, so there's one that wasn't used. It doesn't really fit crud, but I will I will talk about it, and then I think maybe that'll help me learn crud. Um, I'll so, answer the question by answering something unrelated. <laughs> well, because I I, I, cause it's a I think it's I think it's similar. Um, because I think crud is is always very. Oh no, I know what it would be. I know what it would be. It would have to be um something about seeing alternate timelines or alternate possibilities um i would because he's always like fixated on the past and what could have been or what should have been and always looking for the next big score but always somehow messing it up so hmm. it, i would probably approach it like the zero drive from gundam wing <laughs> right uh, where it, it shows you all possibilities simultaneously and and of course like messes with your sanity because multiple versions of, of the situation are going to show you your horrifying death. Um, but if you can kind of tune out that noise, you can also see the path to victory. So that's probably what I would have done. 
it's similar to the power that did not make it. And this is a very frustrating story, which I believe I told Matt. Um, so one of the one of the ideas Wait, you um, told me already, that means Matt can zone out. <laughs> so one of the, the structures from Stardust Crusaders that I wanted to, to keep in mind is that everybody got their like face off duel, right? So Kaz obviously has multiple of these, but um, you know, Joza had her one on one battle moment with Bisakono, and then did Maharo get his? I don't think Maharo got one really. Oh well Maharo kind of did um fighting. I mean, I think the the first conflict between um Fontella and Zul, the Sullivan and the Biff, um, there was a lot of Maharo action in there. Definitely. Um there it, it was originally there was an intention that Fontella and and um I hate that Maharo guy. were were supposed to be supposed to show down each other because they have, you know, powers on the opposite sides of the coin. He can do the body, he can do the spirit. Um, and I think the, oh, I remember now the intention was that he was going to be the one to take out Vokar because Vokar would be able to tell him how to defeat his own body. Um, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, Joza turned that body into jelly before that happened, (laughs) but that, that was the intention. Um, so there was supposed to be, um, oh, that's right. Because the, the illusion one was Jinko showdown because of the, the illusion with, um, what's her face? Mani. Yeah, Mani. So Click was supposed to also have a showdown. And that fuser um, had the ability to replicate any motion of something that happened in the past in that area. And this showdown was going to be at Malastare. And um, Click was going to show up and this guy was going to be there with an exact with two exact replicas of his pod of the, the, the zipping Zillow. And they were going to run the race of the Malastare race. And he was going to gonna say like hey you beat me i give you the data core i beat you you know i get to be i get to claim that i'm greater than you because he was like it was one of those creepy obsessive fans um and in order to do that what i did very sneakily was during the thanksgiving episode um the kessel cup was very carefully designed in four specific roles that we had to do every time we did a lap right and so I made a grid um, that had, you know, number of successes, failures, oh, triumphs. Oh, you mapped it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so every time there was a roll, I recorded it um, on this, this like, three pages of, of paper. And so basically his fuser ability was if I flipped the point, I could use any result that you had previously rolled or um, Psycho Zeppelacor had previously rolled as long as it was in the same area. I'm sorry. Mm. What was that name again? Psycho Zeplacor. Okay. <laughs> the guy. The, you remember the Psycho Zeplacor, right? Leslie. No. Leslie. <laughs> that, that, that's the that's the dog that he defeated, and you know, quote unquote, killed that ruined his pod racing career. Kith was never tremendously invested in the pod racing circuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Leslie has a terrible memory, so you know. So I was really proud of this whole setup. I mean, obviously, I had to. It took a lot of work. Um, and then while we were going through season three and it was time to do the Malastare episode, I could not find the paper. <laughs> and I was wow. like, this cannot be happening because I was like obsessive about this paper. I mean, I had to like reorganize my office several times in, in the interim, but I was obsessive about keeping this paper in a safe place. Yep. That's the dangerous part. Safe places. 
Yeah. Guess what? I found it last week. Um, yeah, I found oh, it. Oh, is that the paper that you were ranting about? Yeah. Mm. That's the one. And he's not a Sith, so he can pitch a fit. That was that was a lot of work um, for a, uh, a fuser ability that never got to show up. Um, and obviously, the intention here with was I let Matt use click at full power during that Thanksgiving episode intentionally so I could have crazy high good results. Um, and then click being weakened in his like old man state would have forced basically like the rest of the crew to figure out how to cheat and, and kill this guy or defeat this guy. Um, while click was barely holding on or I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. Um, and no, neither will you maybe <laughs> <laughs> it would have been we... fine. I, you still let me keep showboat. That's true. You know what we might do? We, what we might do is we might roll run that one day and we'll call it like deleted scenes or something. Oh, what? You don't want to do more stealing? Call it silhouette zero. What if? Oh, there you go. <laughs> we could have done that. Oh, yeah, we should do it. I'm going to write that down. You're welcome, universe. <laughs> Leslie, say something nice about me. <laughs> God. You're a clever young man. Huzzah! Okay, we're almost at the um, the question part. But before we do, I would like to read the list of mushrooms that I never got to use. Chanterelle. <laughs> 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 uh, King Oyster, Hedgehog, Chicken of the Woods, Morel. We had a hedgehog. Enoki, Shimeji, and Truffle. We had a hedgehog. Oh, uh, we used hedgehog? Sorry. That was my uh, horribly, horribly mutilated buddy. Oh, that's right. He's with the stars now. Oh, also, did I did, we, did I talk about the Portuga other places of interest we didn't use? Why would I remember that? <laughs> um, there was... I forget. So I remember. I mean, I went to well, I went to Portuga, which of course was a, a scene in Friends Like These, I believe. Um, and the, there was the Barvi Harpy, which was the name of the bar. Mm-hmm. But um, at this point, it well, it had been turned into a family restaurant called Whistler's Home Style. And then um, there was also one other place there called Mando X, which was a high intensity gym founded by a quote unquote Mandalorian. So there you go. Stuff that it never got in. So I'm guessing it was a human who just kind of threw a helmet on and uh, called himself strong in the arm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his name was Karuta Barris, and it says he's in shape, very charismatic, definitely not a Mandalorian. It's like Tony Little in a Mandalorian helmet. Okay, so now is the question section. What? Why is there a bunny on the... <sighs> Matt's been putting emojis in the document. I've been putting ASCII art in the document. Thank you very much. Oh my god, there's a bunch of it here. What is going on? Uh, No wonder he's been so quiet. I've been politely listening and contributing to the world of art. Uh, All right, Leslie, let's do this. Alright, so we kind of already get to tick off Adam and AC's questions about, well, sort of. So Adam asked if you had fuser powers you wanted to show but didn't make it, but AC specif- specified any abilities you didn't get to use or fully realize. 
ACJ. Um, no, I think I think everybody did what they could do pretty well. You think? You're not sure? Would you like a second to think about that answer? I'm, I mean, commit? I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling through my notes. I don't. I don't see anything that comes off like, "Oh yeah, I wish I got to use that." So no, I think everything came out the way it was supposed to. Okay, so Beck Storm asks, "If Click was a soup, what soup would he be?" And will answer thirteen shock him? Hmm. <laughs> I um. I don't like soup as a person. I've never met soup. So. Thanks, Leslie. That was good. I appreciate that answer. Um, <laughs> I, I was just very confused because I was like, is that like a singer? So there's a singer named Meatloaf, so it's not impossible there's a singer named Soup. So as such, um, this is one of the rare instances where there's something I don't like that I didn't go out of my way to learn everything about uh, just to, you know, consolidate that I hate it. Um, I believe Chris once... Uh, explain that if I hate something I learn everything about it so that I can better destroy it. Yeah, so you can really justify that hate. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's hard for me to guess a soup. Uh, Italian wedding. Next answer. Next question. I, I was going to go know. with spicy ramen. I ramen's not a soup. Ramen's a ramen. It has a broth. Oh, uh, You guys hear that? That's the sound of Nick getting out of his chair. He's like, what? <laughs> Nick has no power over me. <laughs> but if a soup has a noodle in it, is it still a soup? At I what point? Does, at what ratio of noodle to broth does it have to be still to maintain it still a soup? Yeah, we're not we're not gonna figure that one out because we're not gonna be able to answer when does it stop being a, a soup and start being a stew as well. I think. But why do they say chicken noodle soup if noodles are normally in soup? Noodles can be anywhere, Matt. Well, that's not true. That's that's a brazen <laughs> lie. <laughs> In the culinary world, noodles Show me your can noodle make... cake. Show me your, your baked cake with noodles in it. Mm, um, have you ever had Google a spaghetti that. bake? That's not a cake. Why is it not a cake? It is it's cake casserole. Form made of... No, it's solid. I mean, Are your casseroles is... liquid? No, but they're goopy. I don't like casseroles, by the way. They're gross. I have to say there is a noodle sandwich in the form of yakisoba pan. And you can always eat noodles dry and crunchy <laughs> you could honestly probably uh pound them up and make them into flour again and make a cake out of that that doesn't count that's deconstructed noodles <laughs> <laughs> they didn't specify it couldn't be deconstructed okay well we didn't specify we're, we're trying to determine is not whether noodles can go everywhere what we're trying to determine is if ramen a new a soup yeah. oh i'm gonna what's the definition of ramen in the meantime, st sticking with the, the food. Ramen is a Japanese noodle soup. Okay, never mind. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to say ramen because it's, it's good and popular, but also to some people, a little overrated. <laughs> Not me. I have like three different types of instant noodles in my house. So that's your cupboard. Your cupboard is instant noodle. Your freezer is mochi. The end. <laughs> I have Next eggs. question. <laughs> there's, there's some eggs in there somewhere. I have eggs. Come on. And and his windowsill lettuce. What? What? Weren't you growing the windowsill lettuce? That seems like oh no, no I was growing lettuce. um green onions. Oh, that's right. The windowsill onions. All right. To quote Crispy06, bringing it back around to mailbag. What's the tastiest jerky Resi makes? 
tastiest is really such a such a subjective term, you know? It, it kind of depends from person to person. Like Soylent Green? Yep. <laughs> I'm not sure I want the answer to this question That's anymore. That's the joke.jpg. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Um, uh, um, I'm going to say tastiest ever was secret jerky and she never told a soul what it was made out of because she made it out of a rancor Ugh. and everyone would panic about how she got rancor meat <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's it's her secret jerky i think that the the, the recipe for secret jerky should be on her headstone <laughs> all right uh, any in-character crushes or heartbreaks over the years? This also comes from ACJ. For either of you. For any of your characters. Uh, mm, no. Uh, I mean, besides the obvious ones that happen in show, like like with his like really ephemeral crush on Wink. And you know the whole Jinko thing with... And Yeah, and that. But, okay. Nothing in the back of the minds? No. I don't... I don't... I don't tend to do romance in stories. I mean, I do, but that's not, I don't know. No, not really. I mean, I'm, yeah, nope. Answer's nope. Sorry. <laughs> Chris, Adam's asking with the season, the cast of characters you have to voice and juggle has increased even more. How do you keep them separate and distinct? Uh, boy. He keeps them separate by making them distinct. <laughs> Okay, so famously, I have talked about um, the tones, the high, yeah. mid, and low. High, medium, low, right? Tazi, Reina, Jinko. Mm -hmm. um, had to do sort sort of similar. So Joza obviously is a very, very oh, as Kiwi of an accent as I can pull off. Um, it's probably not very good by comparison to an actual Kiwi accent, but um, it is one I actually spent a lot of time listening to. New Zealanders talk for a while to try to nail the differences between that and the sort of pseudo Australian um, thing that Matu had. Um, I really wanted to make it extra Kiwi-ish because I felt like that would help me delineate in my own brain the difference between her voice and Matu's voice. Did the Bad Batch help you with that? Um, well, they had extremely Kiwi voices in that. <laughs> It would have had the Bad Batch come out, you know, two years ago. <laughs> like, yes, that would have been really useful, uh, but not not so much at the time. Um, I actually spent a lot of time watching one particular news report. You can find it on YouTube about uh, a news report on how um, immigrants have a hard time understanding the Kiwi accent, <laughs> and and they discuss it at length about like what is about what is it about the accent that makes it particularly difficult to understand english if a immigrant knows english from another country um and then maharo i mean maharo's voice is just so distinctive i did not do much to distinguish between maharo the second and maharo the third other than vocabulary choice general attitude um and so that that part was really just a matter of making sure i had the two characters really acting the father-son relationship very very strictly because that was the only way the listener was going to understand who was talking at the time um i will say this is probably some of my worst accents i'll be honest with you fontella kept moving around i kept forgetting what i what i was doing i had to actually write it down at one point like this is what you do on this one <laughs> um ruby was bad 
Marina never really settled. I had a hard time with Joria. Um, and you know, I can blame the fact that I don't have a long commute anymore to practice them, but I just don't think um, it was very good. Now, if you've been watching me play um, the Great Ace Attorney, that has been boot camp for uh, voice acting for me. I mean, I'm not a real voice actor, but uh, you have a bunch of different characters and they're all British. Um, <laughs> Even the so, Japanese ones. Yeah, although for them, I just I did not use an accent because that was going to hurt my brain. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you have to start figuring out, OK, these are all British people. So how do I differentiate Gregson from Herlock, from Van Zeeks, from the judge, from all of the jury members? Um, so I feel like if I could get another crack at it, I probably would do better this time. Um, but. You know, I I wasn't 100% happy with everything that I chose. Um, and I think, you know, in the future, I, I need to really focus more on, on making those differences, especially if they're going to end up being recurring characters, even with the enemies. I will say I'm pretty happy with Roy. I love Roy. Um, Just a, so, yeah, a fuzzy pink blanket of a character. Yeah. Good old Roy. Oh, and I did like Link Evaporator. Link Evaporator worked out well. Just very Texan. Matt. Yo. If Kaz were less morally gray and more straight up dark side, would he be Wink or something even more chaotic? From Hawk2475. I feel like he would start off chaotic because the only thing that kept him more controlled of a person was the fact that he did have, you know, he had fairly strong morals. Um, and, and to my shame, I will say I do feel... I didn't do Kaz the best I could have. Um, I feel like I gave him the Rogue One treatment, whereas people tell you what this person's like, but they never de demonstrate them being that way at all during the entire thing. Oh, interesting. You mean as the shady friend? Yeah. You know, he's like, it's sketchy friend. Excuse me. But, you know, it's like, oh, you know, got to watch out for this one. This one's got a rebellious streak and is a criminal through and through. and. You know, he's he's got to set him on the straight and narrow. And then I play him like mostly straight Boy Scout for an entire <laughs> season. <laughs> a nice young man who apparently randomly decided to steal a speeder to impress people. Yeah, but I guess you could also argue that it's like someone was close to falling and then didn't. Well, it, it's sort of like... To me, the interpretation I got was like he was sort of trying to find an identity. He there's a lot of pressure. I mean, his grandfather's a great hero. His mom's a super secret agent. His dad's really boring. Um, you know, what kind of person can I be? And then and then this really dramatic thing happens in his life that focuses him where he was lacking that focus previously. Yeah. So to me, I think the character's young enough that that, that is how that played out in my head. And that that's a. That's a good interpretation that makes me look good. <laughs> but isn't that the whole point? Why do I keep saying nice things about you? Because I'm fueled by positive feedback and I like, you know, hearing nice things about me. Genuine nice things. None of this fluff. <laughs> Matt has been described. <laughs> that was a Taskmaster bit, wasn't it? Uh, well, it was Alex Horn joke on. He was on another show where he was introducing his band. It's like on guitar is this guy. He has been described, and that just leaves it like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was definitely an Alex Horn bit. 
<laughs> I have indeed been described. Chris, and possibly Matt for chiming in, Tins Madden. I have my own Star Wars RPG game, but I can never make the game interactive and fun. How can I make my game more fun for me and my friends? Um, Play to your audience. Yeah, you guys got to know what each other's like. So um, when I was when I was a full time in the classroom teacher, which I, I am not anymore, but when I was, um, I used to run um, tabletop games at lunch. And so every day, the, uh, we called it Nerd Club. Uh, all the nerds would run in and we would, you know, play for 25 minutes and then come back the next day and do it some more. This was probably my most extensive experience with D&D. Um, it was not probably a very pure one because I did not know all the rules super well. And uh, we were doing all sorts of random fudging with stuff uh, in particular because everybody had a slightly different idea of what they wanted to do including one guy who actually wanted to use this homebrew ruled for four stands um and there was another guy who wanted the vampire thing and another guy who wanted this, this there was just like everybody had different desires all over the place um and instead of being like no this doesn't make a cohesive story i just indulged everybody i was just like yeah you want that you got that you want that you got it like and i'll just make it work um, and I just, you know, the, the typical DM advice is to always like look at your characters and figure out like, okay, what, how can they all do something interesting during a session? But it's just basically the same thing with people too. If you've got a, a group that's super serious, like, oh yeah, we want it to be as Star Wars accurate as possible then like do that. But if they don't care that much and they're like, uh, wouldn't it be funny if we did this thing? Like, you know, like this other show or like this other thing, then just do that thing. Um, because that's what they want to do and if you just do it then they'll have more fun and and maybe it's it's easy for me because i i'm pretty good off the fly and i i view all of those things as a challenge i think sometimes dms go ah oh, but that's not really how it's supposed to go and and that's okay like if if you're the type of dm that has a particular vision uh, of how you want a game to run then that's fine be aware that you have to find players that also want that and if they don't want that, they may feel bored. For me, I always look at those things, those desires as a challenge that like, how can I do that and have fun myself? And, and for me, with those high schoolers, it was like, how do I make five people with five different desires intermix into a story that somewhat makes sense? And that's where I got my enjoyment out of it. Basically, communicate is what I'm hearing. Yeah, but also indulge. It's, it's a game. Yeah. Okay. So Chris's answer as to how to have fun is to have fun. Yeah. Very informative. But it, but it is it is informative because I think sometimes people and I know I've seen this issue crop up on Reddit sometimes where it's like, you know, all my players want me to be like Matt Mercer and they want everything to be like critical role. And I just don't know how to do that. But it's like. If your expectations, well, this is really life advice. If your expectations are way too high or or miscalibrated with what's going on, then um, it, it's just not going to work out. And if your expectations for your from you as the DM don't align with the expectations of your player, they're not going to be into it. So you have to stop overthinking it. I mean, I just said that as a sarcastic summation, but you know. Well, I know, but I think I, I'm I'm surprised in life how many people overthink their fun. To the point where it's not fun anymore. Now there's a bear on the document. Why, why is there a bear? 
I, I like uh, what is above part two. I'm not sure. It's just a, a happy face with hearts on the cheeks. Yeah. Question yeah, that's mark? what I mean. There's a there's a there's a bear on the. No, there's a bear no, down the bear below. Is, yeah, the bear is below. There is the bear. Oh, I see. Oh, I see the. Okay, yeah. So it's baby uh. bunny bear is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Bridget is asking: Now that the team has significant others and families, would any of them use embarrassing or absurd nicknames, and what are they? Uh, yes. I mean, not that they really use nicknames that often. I mean, they would use. Like, I'm sure uh, Trash Pile would come up for Tazi. Like, this is all from Click's perspective. Um, Cinnamon Puff would come up for Jinko. Um, I think every once in a while, Click would call Reyna by a different uh, draw scientist name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that feels right to me. I th the only thing I can think of off the top of my head, and the only reason, I, I know I sound like such a party pooper, like, nah, no, they don't do that. I only say that because I think if, if somebody were really nickname inclined, it would have shown up by now. Yeah. Um, but I do think that Jinko probably spends a lot of time calling Click by very sarcastic, um, grandiose titles. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, of course, my most supreme emperor <laughs> type thing. Uh, to which I'm sure Click just registers it as him being sincere. Yep. Um, <laughs> ah, finally, recognition. <laughs> He accepts these accolades and moves on with his life. Yeah, and then I think Jingo probably also, once in a while, will address Reyna by every title she's ever legitimately had. <laughs> so, like, Dr. Vice Mayor, Captain Professor. <laughs> Dr. Vice Mayor, Captain Professor Reyna type thing. Esquire. <laughs> Locum student, Naruhoro Esquire. <laughs> Watch yourselves. I still haven't gotten very far in game two. No, that's, 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 game one. that's game one. No, that's, I'm just uh, saying, if you go tsune. down that rabbit hole, <laughs> don't ruin things for me. Uh, don't don't post gifts that I'm not allowed to see. Yeah, that was my bad. But we did hide it. <laughs> just by spamming <laughs> other things. Okay, let's... So I'm trying to make sure I, I, I get a little bit from everybody before I start duplicating people like Adam and Beck who asked a million questions. Note to self, let's always have Leslie do this because I hate searching through the questions. I, I made my myself world. Like a little bingo chart. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it nice, Chris? Someone else does the work and you just chime in with your thoughts and uh, move on with your life. Uh, Seamus would like to know, not counting whatever you've got in the chamber for upcoming interludes in session four, uh, what game or story idea have you wanted to try but haven't had a chance to yet? Um, hmm. I'd really like to try Transit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there is a qualifier in this question. But no, like, unironically, I did want to try Transit. <laughs> it's a really well, did, cool concept, right? I did, too. That's why we're doing That's why. That's the thing is, like, if I want to do something, I typically do it. Um... I wanted to do fighting mecha robots. I did fighting mecha robots. Like um, you did, yes, you did. That was that was interesting. I mean, I, I I generate so many stories, you guys, between all the writing I do and the audio dramas and this stuff. Pretty much, if I have something I really want to do, I'll do it somewhere. So I don't really feel particularly like unfulfilled in that area. Um, I come I up with stories. I don't do anything with them, but I come <laughs> up with them. <laughs> that should be your next art stream, buddy. No, I think of things like 
if I was to ever deign to uh, try to DM Chris again, I'm like, maybe this story. I'm like, nah. How about this story? Nah. Because I can't get a balance right. He's hard to DM for for me. And like, I'll come up with things like, okay, I can twist this story in one of two directions. Based on whichever way he's thinking it's going to be, I'll do the opposite. You know? <laughs> so I, I guess with Bridget's question, which is very similar in systems or crossovers you'd want to try for uh, bonus one shots. But Bridget also includes any chance of an Avatar Legends system. Okay, so I do have a story about that. Um, but I feel like the, the the question of like what other games you want to try, I have to be honest, I haven't really been keeping my finger on the pulse of RPG games lately, probably for the last year or so. Um, and I used to. I used to be really like on top of what the new systems are, what are the new trends, you know, what are people talking about? But I don't know. I'm just, I guess I've been busy or... Uh, I don't know. The idea of learning a whole new thing just sounds <laughs> like something I don't have time for right now. Uh, I think the mecha hack was a, probably about as in-depth of a system as I have time to absorb and learn. And that's not super rules heavy. So any of the new big blockbuster games, not going to happen. Now, Avatar. Did I hear about it super late? Sure did. Was I excited? Yes, I was. Did I reactivate my password on Kickstarter just to do it. Sure did. Did I put it in my cart? Yep, Was it on the last day of the Kickstarter? Uh-huh. Did I forget to finish submitting the order form before the end of the day? Also true. Yes. So um, I'm going to have to wait till it's properly on sale because I did not follow through. But yes, I, I would like to try it and then probably run it and probably do it on the show. Well, I think that sounds like a grand idea because I have a feeling you know Avatar well enough to do that. Chris is uh, Chris L, specifying Chris's, is wondering if you would ever consider doing a Kobe backstory one shot, including for it says for the Patreon, but in general, you guys allude to Kobe's backstory an awful lot. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Honest it, answer. It's better that it's undefined. I, I I tend to agree um, because it was useful for us because we'd go, oh yeah, no, at one point he definitely did this. And I don't I don't always like explaining everything. A little mystery and open-endedness is good. Um, also, Kobe exists as one of those characters where whatever you guys were thinking about as his backstory is probably way better than what we're going to come up with. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like we will never meet that hype, so I'm not going to try. That seems fair. I will say um, I wrote something sort of similar, sort of related to this. And I, I didn't follow through on it because I haven't been able to find the system. And actually, if, if you can find the system, listeners, let me know. Um, so a long, long time ago, maybe four or five years ago, I used to listen to a podcast, which I don't think exists anymore because I cannot find it. Um, and it was just, just an actual play podcast it starred some canadians it was just like them and their friends um and they would just play like different systems for like four or five episodes and then they would move on to something else um i don't think it ever got much traction it certainly never i don't even think it intended to get much traction um it was just really kind of like nice people hanging out playing games and there was a game they played where um it's basically wally um where all the everything was destroyed but uh, only robots existed on the planet Earth. 
and you got to build your robot and you would like exist as a robot trying to move around um and you know survive basically and this was really interesting because one guy came up with this concept as he was a, a spam bot um where he uh, was a fully humanoid um model that was like a salesman robot but had been infected with like spam malware and so he could only communicate by saying like you should buy this new something something you know like he couldn't really properly communicate or operate because he was solely infected with adware Mm. um and that was a really interesting concept and it was a very interesting episode and it was a very unique system it wasn't based on anything i had ever seen before um so i thought it would be really interesting if um at some point, I had come up with this idea of a little crew, like a bounty hunter crew, but it's only droids. Um, and they pretend, of course, they're not droids. Like, like there's a there's an organic, um, you know, hologram they use to to get um, to get their jobs. But this, you know, ragtag crew of droids basically goes around trying to capture organics and you know, and cash in on the bounties. And there'd be like six or seven of them, and but they're on a Hawk 250, which is only meant for like one person or two people. But it's okay because they're droids, so they get rid of all the life support junk and just like attach themselves into the ship. And um, the, my concept for that was that in the opening story, it was Kobe who kind of like taught them to be independent droids, you know, be your own droid, and um, and gave them the idea or the or the confidence to follow through on the stream of like, hey, you guys want to be bounty hunters? Go be bounty hunters. Just go do it. Their bounty hunting group is called File Not Found. Oh my gosh, that's so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I really wanted to use that system to kind of like run it for myself, maybe as like a Patreon audio drama, or I don't even know, maybe play it on the show. But I cannot remember the name of the podcast. Nor can I remember the name of a system. So if anybody has any idea what I'm talking about, please let me know. Let's stick with Kobe for a second, guys. And by guys, I mean Matt. Uh, Because Hawk2457 is asking, and I've never seen this show, so I might need clarity on some of this, but how would Kobe get along with everyone's favorite war criminal, Chopper? Would they be chaotic buddies, or would they have a rivalry? I have also not really seen the show. I have a basic understanding of chopper and i will say friendly rivalry mm. like legit yeah, I mean, friendly Cho- rivalry or the one where they they periodically attack each other well friendly attack each other mm-hmm. <laughs> you i don't think you've had a real friendly rivalry in your life leslie <laughs> yeah it's like you're, you're, you're laughing you're hugging each other you're like <laughs> but like deep behind your eyes like i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna stab you right <laughs> in the throat Because exactly what would Joker do if Batman, if he did get Batman? You know, he doesn't actually want to get rid of him. He just wants to keep going. I think the best, uh, I think the best analogy for you, Leslie, is think about uh, Josuke and Rohan when they're playing that friendly dice game and they're laughing, (laughs) but you you know they really want to kill each other. I think our definition of friendly is is getting strained here. But it's not friendly, it's friendly rivalry. Your definition needs to be stretched a little bit. I think we should move on because I don't want to think about these relationships. Seems like you and I have had different friendships in our lives, Leslie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I genuinely like people. I will say, I think it it is sort of funny. I mean, I've seen more of Rebels. I haven't seen all of it, but um, there are a lot of similarities between Kobe and Chopper. Completely unintentional because Matt, as he has mentioned, has never really seen it. (laughs) 
uh, all I seen was I saw a clip of Chopper after I think season two or mid season two of our show is when someone said to maybe you told me told me to watch it. And um, I also saw the Vader fight. Mm. Vader fight? When they fight Vader. Okay. So uh, Beckstorm wants to know, what does Kobe do when you turn your back on him for more than five minutes? Uh, he gets bored and he rolls off to do something. That tracks. <laughs> that something changes based on his current mood and, you know, available Location. opportunities. Yeah. I feel like Kiff is really in the best uh, position to answer that question, considering what he ran off to do the minute no one was looking at him in, in her ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope those grenades served him well. They did. <laughs> Sparkly Biff. <laughs> hey, you're the one who introduced me to the joy of roll tables. So thusly, it became a thing. Chris. Amazing. Uh, we've got a couple questions about the Maharo clan. ACJ is wondering, did we ever find out about Maharo the second? But we know who Maharo the second is, so I think we're going to adjust toward the first. How did the Empire begin? Or is that lost to the mists? I think it's actually in an episode. I think it's in the first episode Maharo the third shows up in, where he, um, Maharo the second, explains, like, your grandfather, you know, started the merchant company after he left Ortolan and, you know, and I grew it into this grand empire type of thing. You know, he's, he's basically, um, Maharo the third is basically like third generation wealthy, which, um, if you've, I think I read somewhere that any, you know, quote unquote, self-made billionaires, millionaires, like Titans of industry type people, typically speaking after the original person who makes all the money dies, all the money is usually gone out of the family within three generations. Um, and so that's sort of the, the template I use for Maro the third. He's just a rich kid, uh, who really has no purpose in life, no grounding in reality. He thinks 30 million credits is not a lot enough money to live off of. Um, and so, you know, the, the grandfather in this story was the, the, the pioneer, the one who left the planet because we don't know a whole lot about Ortolans except for one episode of the original, uh, Clone Wars animation where they apparently like live in a cave um, and seem sort of primitive. Right. So my, my whole sense was like, okay, so yeah, grandfather got off, started doing merchanting, you know, then you know, expanding Maharo the second's opportunities. Maharo the second grew up in the, you know, galactic environment, understood concepts and, and practices of trade that, you know, his dad didn't fully grasp, and so he was able to seize on those opportunities, became a mega, mega millionaire, then, you know, now you have Maharo the Third. So. <laughs> so are we talking uh, robber baron, or are we talking legitimate business? Oh, it's all over the place, I think. Legitimate freightsman, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all over the place with Maharo the Second, um, and I think that was sort of heavily implied. I mean, he did build a deluxe smuggling ship. He wasn't using it, but he did build yeah, it. That was that was clearly for fun. Eh, was like, it? I can do this. I can pay people to do this for me. I mean, Click was his designated like sketchy job guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was his shady friend. Uh, excuse friend. me. Sketchy. I've, I've been reliably informed it is sketchy. Yes, uh, and if Maharo. The third could be any past Maharo. Would he be one of the others? 
Oh, heck no. Those yeah. guys had to work way too hard. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that, that's one from Beck. So, Beck Storm, by the way, not the singer. He did not, uh, as far as I know, he does not patronize the show. Hey, Beck, if you're listening, um, what's your deal? <laughs> hey, Matt, if you had to pick another or different class for Kaz, what would it have been? Oh. Tall Jawa. You know, the funny thing is, I don't think I really used his actual skill set all that much. No. <laughs> quick draw. Yeah. I use like quick draw, sidestep, <laughs> touch of fate. <laughs> yeah. Then I use the force stuff. Because uh, I was all geared up for all sorts of things, you know. I was prepared for a lot of good stealth and hiding and stuff. But it, those were always in groups and everyone else was bad at those. Um, let me pull up a list real quick. Do, 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 do. Please hold. Your call is important to us. Um, there we go. Maybe, oddly enough, maybe Explorer. That's a good one. Like Fringer Explorer, you know? Mm. Have some astrogation in there. I can't remember the name of any of the talents, and I actually played a Fringer for about a year. That was my my merchant. That was her second her se- second one. Oh yeah. All right. Let's do one more. One more. Okay. okay. Let me actually see if there's anybody I've missed. Um, no pressure, Leslie. Yeah. Anyone you don't pick will know. I think I've picked everybody but <laughs> Mr. T and myself. So I think I'm safe because Mr. T loves us. So sure, let's go out on one of theirs. Let's go with the beach episode. It's a beach episode of the show. Who goes into the water first? Who has a hello porgy towel? Who goes mumbling about sand first? Who cooks for everyone? And who would fish? Um, they don't go to the beach. The Chadra fan hate water. And uh, next question. <laughs> Fine. Uh, music band episode. <laughs> also for Mr. T. <laughs> who sings? Who plays what instruments? Yes, that's vague on purpose. And who goes crowd surfing? Click goes crowd oh. surfing. Yeah, Click's the lead singer. Um, I could see Jinko as like the proverbial eternal bassist. No, I think Rain is the bassist. Rain is the bassist and the leader. Now, see, I see Raina playing keyboard in like one of those banks of keyboards. No, 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 that's Tazi. Tazi's got the keyboards. So, Jinko drummer? Yeah, Jinko's the drummer. You guys don't understand how bands work. Uh, Like, really, (laughs) the bass is the heartbeat. No, stop it. I will not be silenced. Um, Thank you for joining us. It's been a wonderful evening. People think that the drums are what drive the rhythm, but it's the bass. (laughs) No, it doesn't work on this. You can only do that on a chit chat. That was me putting my headphones down. No, this is a I'm walking away. All right. Well, okay. So, yes, my my interpretation would be Click is lead singer. Jinko's on drums, Reina is on bass, and is also the band leader. Tazi also sings and is on keys. And then if you wanted to do the next generation, um, Joza is on tambourine. Um, Kaz, I think, is lead guitar. And then um, Maharo uh, funds the whole thing, and he just sits backstage. And both of them, Kobe does uh, Bitcrush Synthesizer and Light Show. Oh, yeah, that's 100% correct. Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for all the questions. Uh, We super, super appreciate you being interested in the show and, of course, being listeners. Um, And thanks for coming along the journey with us through season three. Let's talk about what's coming up next. Um, First, to alleviate your fears, 
Silhouette Zero Season 4 will exist. Um, and it is going to begin in January of 2022. And the title of Season 4 is The Nine Heists of Percival Q. Stalwart. Baldash, <laughs> you make me sound like I'm some sort of villain. Some sort of criminal, even. The gall. Well, I mean, if the shoe fits. It, it could be good for our... For our um, our, our reputation, Mr. Percy, I'll get our name out there really good, you know? Prompet, I know you don't know very much, but let me explain to you. There is such a thing as bad publicity, especially if it's rife with lies. Disingenuous lies! But we are going to heist some things, Mr. Percy. We have to. It's it's in the title. Yes, and then that turns me into a criminal, doesn't it, Crumpet? I feel not that implies if, you weren't already one. I mean, not if we get, not if we get told it's alright. Isn't that how the pirates used to do it back in the old days? I hardly think the Queen's going to give us carte blanche to go heisting. You don't know, Mr. Percy. You don't know what the story's about yet. Oh, quite right, Crumpet, quite right, I suppose. Goodness, it's going to take me a while to settle into a voice again. <laughs> I don't think I ever did properly. Always been a bit all over the place. Yes, um, we're we're going to take a little break from Star Wars. I need a little break from Star Wars. Um, it's not goodbye to Star Wars. I don't think I'm done with Kaz. Um, because That's I had ideas us. for season four using Kaz. Um, and I, I don't want to talk about why I didn't use them or anything like that. Because I still think a large chunk of those ideas can still be used. Um, so more than likely, Kaz will be, at, be back for season five. But I, I need a break of, from Star Wars. Um, so we will be using the Genesis system. Mostly things will be the same in terms of roles and stuff like that. We're not jumping ship on the system. Um, I really like the system. Yeah, me too. Um, but it'll be very interesting. I've been doing some pre-work on it. I've got more pre-work to do. Um, and that's why it's not going to launch until January of 2022. And you're saying, but Chris, that's like three months from now. What am I supposed to do? Don't worry. We have plenty of interlude episodes for you um, locked and loaded, to be quite honest with you. Um, we've been really busy the last couple of weeks. Um, firstly, as previously mentioned, we did record with uh, Seamus Connelly or Seamouse Connelly. Um, <laughs> who's the... Seamouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Seamouse Con Connelly. I called I him that on the episode. Um, he uh, is the co-writer and co-creator of the Transit RPG game. And uh, we we played it, and it is bonkers, insane. Um, it's really fun, and you're gonna love what we did with it. And uh, poor poor Seamus is now amongst the amongst the likes of Ben and Leslie who have tried to GM us. Uh, <laughs> we apologize uh, in advance now, though. We did, we did apologize in advance. Um, we also did re recently recorded a discussion about Star Wars Visions with. Um, Professor Sports Nick Watanabe, who brought a lot of very interesting insight onto the Japanese culture and its relation to aspects in Star Wars Visions that honestly we did not know. And I thought was super, super interesting. So that will be an episode we've got coming up. We also did an episode called New Game Plus, where um, Click and Kobe got to retain all of their full power, but redid the very first uh, episode, the very first mission of season one, episode one, arriving on Hadrian Station. Yeah. Um, 
we have already recorded it. It has got it went uh, pretty much as the way you're expecting it in your head. So, yeah, that's New Game Plus. Um, we also got a bunch of stuff coming out for the holidays. For Halloween, we will be doing Chance Pickens Returns in Kick or Treat. For those of you Americans, late, things, late, late November, we will be doing Cranksgiving 2, even crankier. And then um, for the December holidays, we will have a down home country click miss. All of these things uh, to sort of expand on what happened to everybody after the end of um, season three. So we're not quite done with clicking the crew yet. And we'll be doing all these things and probably more um, as we lead up into season four. So hopefully you're excited about it. I know I am. Oh, uh, uh, me too. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I'm actually a member of the audience, so I don't I don't think I get to, to say one way or the other. But as a representative, not duly elected, I am also excited. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Moral support. So, yeah, um, that's it. This this puts the bow on season three again. Thank you all for joining us on this. And um, I'm looking forward to the future and doing more stuff with everybody. Uh, if you want to hear more, we're putting out more stuff on the Patreon these days, patreon.com slash zero. Um, my books and stuff are at sillzeromedia.com. If you're, you know, dying to get more uh, input into your brain with my stories, um, we're streaming these days. Um, Twitch.tv slash ingdaydreams, twitch.tv slash the brother Matt. Yep. I mean, I. I haven't streamed in a while. I probably will soon, though. Maybe. He probably will soon. He'll, he'll do it again. He'll do it. I, I'll um, do it again. Yeah, for sure. I just. <laughs> I've been Twitch going through a lot. Twitch will tell you when because huh? Matt won't. I said Twitch will tell you when you stream. Oh yeah, no, I don't announce things. I'm not that guy. <laughs> um, and then um, what else? What else? What else? What else? I think that's it. Uh, Leslie, anything to plug? Uh, Heroes yet. Heroes hiding away and adventure is out there. Cool. Uh, and thank you, Leslie, for being the question question person. Thanks, Leslie. You're, re you're, re you're really awfully good at reading questions. I've, you know what? I think I really feel like we probably should have asked her questions about her experience playing Kith, but eh, it's the end of the episode now, so I guess we're, it's too late for that. She'll just have to publish her own thing. Memoirs of Ursa Beck. <laughs> By Liska Phaedron, and nobody understands why. <laughs> Well, I don't have this, a backstory. Close this book. is really the audience's fault for not asking questions to Leslie. Uh, yes, we'll put it that way. Yeah, it's true. Except for Beckstorm, who asked like seven, but we're good. About you? About Kith, yeah. Okay, oh. lightning round. <laughs> no, this lightning show round. is over. This conversation nope. is over. I recording. don't have a backstory. Leslie, yeah. lightning round. Okay, ask me you a have, question. You have one. You have, well, no, I need the questions. You, you don't have them? <laughs> I hold the power. Uh, wait, wait. I, I, I can read questions. I'm reading the questions. <laughs> Darn it. I can't, can't have Matt read the questions. Matt won't read the questions, so I have to read the questions. What has happened? Um, um, oh, Matt has oh. established his dominance by making you do all the work. Yeah. Well, that's but you also keep the spoils. That's yeah. It's, it's that was the deal. That's the deal. <laughs> it's a good deal. End you of episode. Free, the other way to think about it is you get free labor. <laughs> um, wait, who asked all those questions? I don't know. I think we're good. I can talk I to Beck myself. Any, 
don't really see any like proper Leslie questions. Exactly. <laughs> Leslie, what was your favorite thing about recording for us? Uh, spending time with you guys is always a blast, if slightly chaotic. Only slightly. Huh. Well, I'm understating. Freely understating. Uh, End of episode. Okay. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> May the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs>